0: The practices that humans have developed to culturalize their bodies play an essential role in the construction of our identities as individuals and as members of social, cultural, religious or ethnic groups. The vast majority of these practices, however, leave no direct trace of themselves in the archaeological record, which makes difficult to establish when they developed and how they change over time. The aim of my presentation is to summarize what we know about the origin and evolution of the use of mineral pigments that are often used, for example, for body painting and personal ornament. The analysis of these two elements of past material culture identify long-term evolutionary trends which can shed light on the evolution of other practices devoted to the culturalization of the human body. Well, first I will talk about pigment. Our understanding of ochre use in the Paleolithic has significantly expanded due to the systematic analysis of ochre pieces and exceptional discoveries. The recent creation of a database on the use of ochre in the Middle Stone Age of Africa reports 86 African sites that have yielded ochre between 500,000 and 40,000 years before the present. The gradual increase in the number of ochre pieces discovered in archaeological sites has led the author to propose that from 160,000 years onward, the habitual use of ochre should be interpreted as clear evidence of its symbolic use, which is consistent, as we will see later, with um, the use of ochre to change the color of a shell, uses personal ornament from 140,000 years onward. Outside Africa, the use of ochre is attested in Europe and the Near East starting 350,000 years ago, for example, at the site of Terramata in the south of France and Maastricht Belvedere in Holland. At more recent Middle Paleolithic sites, European Neanderthals use red but also black pigment, mostly manganese oxide, and coat with red and yellow ochre shells, fossil, and large stalagmite located in deep caves. In Asia, apart from a site in India and one in Australia, possibly dated to more than 70,000 years ago, all other instances of pigment use are more recent than 50,000 years, and compor- uh, compatible with the hypothesis that ochre use were introduced in this vast region by expanding modern human populations. Several discoveries demonstrate that ochre was used in increasingly complex practices between 400,000 and 40,000 years ago, and some of these practices were probably symbolic in nature. Geochemical analysis, for example, showed that midstone Stone Age population prefer to travel long distances to collect ochre of a certain color and purity. We also know that since at least 110-120,000 years ago, yellow ochre was heated to transform it into red ochre, as is the case at the school site in the Near East. One hundred thousand years ago, at Blombos Cave in southern Africa, two types of ochre were napped, pound, ground, and probably mixed with animal fat to produce a semi-liquid compound kept in containers made of large marine shells. At this same site, abstract patterns were engraved on ochre pieces between 100,000 and 70,000 years ago, and ochre pencils used to draw abstract pattern motifs 70,000 years ago. Ochre was used to color personal ornament in northern and southern Africa from 140,000 years onward, indicating that from that date at least, the use of pigment had become an integral part of the culturalization of the human body. But let's move to the evolution of the personal ornament, the other cu- cultural proxy that is the focus of my presentation. Until 2005. Everyone was convinced that the oldest personal ornament had been produced by modern humans after their arrival in Europe about 42 45,000 years ago and that they represented the first direct evidence of body culturalization. New discoveries have challenged this view. We know now that long before the Upper Paleolithic in Europe, Middle Stone Age people in Africa and in the Near East used naturally or artificially perforated shells as personal ornament between 140,000 and 70,000 years ago. What characterized these early ornaments is that only one shell species or a very limited number of species were used as beads. At few sites, from Africa and the Near East, in layer older than those that yielded the perforated shells, some larger shell, shells, sometimes naturally perforated, were collected dead on beaches and could have been used as ornament. Chemical analysis of archaeological and experimental shells suggests in both North and Southern Africa that shells were in some cases heated in a reductive environment to make them black and create visually more complex beadwork. Perforated shells adornment disappear after 70,000 years in Africa, and their place is taken at the site of Panga Yasaidi in Kenya by naturally perforated conus fragment and from 50,000 years ago at a number of sites in East Africa by circular beads made of Ostergeg shell. Between 31,000 and 19,000 years ago, we observed this ostrich eggshell beads tradition splitting into two regions, one in East Africa and one in South Africa, where the beads become significantly smaller. From circa 45,000 years ago, we observe in Eurasia and Southeast Asia an explosion of types of personal ornament and raw materials in which they are made. The geographic variability of these objects shows that at the beginning of the Upper Paleolithic, during the so-called origination, each region of Europe is characterized by specific adornment types, some of which shared with neighboring regions. This pattern is interpreted as reflecting the cultural geography of origination populations. The publication of genetic data for these periods paves the way for a comparison between the cultural and the biological affiliation of upper Paleolithic populations to understand if and to what extent one reflects the other. In a work just published in Nature Human Behavior, we have created a database of all ornament types associated with the gravation, the archaeological culture which follows the origination. The statistical analysis of this data identifies nine cultural entities that appear consistent with the few genetic sequences we have for this period, suggesting a rather good correspondence, at least in the gravation, between genetic and cultural affiliation. The evidence I've just summarized on ochre and beads has led us to propose a multi step evolutionary scenario for the culturalization of the human body. These scenarios begin 300, possibly 500,000 years ago with the use of ochre. The increase in the use of ochre and the complexification of ochre treatment during the Middle Stone Age indicated while ochre may have served primarily utilitarian needs during its first uses at the beginning of the Middle Stone Age, symbolic function, including its use for body decoration, must have become predominant after 160,000 years. A second stage involved the collection and curation of marine shells and perhaps other natural objects without modifying them. The third stage consisted of assembling several homologous shells with natural or slightly modified perforation. A next step entailed the implementation of perforation techniques that allowed for variations in the arrangement of homologous ornament and the production of different ornament items with the, with same, with the same shells. The fifth step entailed integrating a larger shell of another species into an ornamental item mostly composed of smaller shells or to present the two types of objects separately. A further step was the use of fragments of shell heavily modified and perforated by natural agents as ornament. This use opened the way to the following step, the production from around 50,000 years ago, probably first in East Africa, of fully manufactured circular beads made of ostrich eggshells. The Eighth Evolutionary Steps took the form, in large regions of Eurasia, of an explosion of ornament type, primarily used as ethnic markers. However, exotic objects obtained through long-distance trades and their presence in quantity in some Paleolithic burials and not in others also suggest the use of ornament already in these paleolithic societies as markers of social inequality then we have following the advent of production economies and the accumulation of wealth the production of by specialized craftsmen of ornaments intended for members of other social groups the final steps correspond to the industrial production of ornaments imitating more expensive beads, which allow all members of a society to wear any kind of ornament, including beads to which special values were attributed in previous steps, either because made of rare raw raw material or because their production required special skills. In summary, this scenario starts 500,000 years ago and identify major tipping points at 140,000, 70,000 and 45,000 years ago, followed by an acceleration corresponding to the emergence of production economies. These stages should not be seen as a strict one-way path. Independent invention and cultural transfer may have bypassed or even reversed some of these stages in some region and historical context. The logic that have governed this step-by-step process is that, uh, is that of, of a gradual increase in the complexity of the technology used to culturalize the body and in the time and the effort invested in the acquisition and transformation of raw materials. This process led to the development of increasingly complex visual code and the transformation of ornament into valuable good to be kept, exchanged, and inherited. The complexifi- this complexification is the obvious reflection of a complexification of human societies and the need to mark visually new social roles and cultural affiliation. This required the creation of dedicated cognitive functions and neural circuits, allowing the increasing complexity of the messages conveyed by ornament to be deciphered and novel values to be attributed to this object and their association on the body. This is supported by result of an interdisciplinary study we have conducted um, in collaboration with neuroscientists from the University of Bordeaux. When asked to attribute a social status to culturalized faces, participants have activated a large network including visual, insular, limbic, and frontal region involved in executive control and social cognition. This interplay between cultural and biological mechanisms likely drove this long-term process of integration, with individuals gifted in acquiring, decoding, and creating these symbolic messages having selective advantages that favored the permanent inscription of a more integrated connectivity in the brain. In proposing these stages, we have confined ourselves to considering technology that have left archaeological traces of themselves, but it is clear that these practices were complemented, probably very early on, by a panoply of other practices expressed through gesture, dance, mutilation, scarification, tattooing and clothing, which have left until recently only circumstantial, ambiguous, or episodic evidence of themselves. We can anticipate that these practices, too, have progressed toward increased complexity in terms of techniques, symbolic code, and the involvement of specialized individuals to ensure their continuity, and if needed, further elaborate development. It is also clear that these practices have certainly co-evolved and been influenced in their development by other cultural innovation, not originally designed to be applied to the body. I thank you very much for your attention.